after the exodus out of Egypt, the Israelites are wandering through the wilderness. And they have some pretty amazing moments out there in that wilderness. God gives them the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. God makes the Red Sea into a sidewalk so they can walk through it. God serves them manna for breakfast in bed every day. But there's a defining moment that's reminiscent of that original blessing that we've talked about back in Genesis. You see, in Numbers chapter 6, God instructs the priests of Israel to pronounce a blessing on the people. Number 6, 24 through 26 says, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. That's a powerful blessing. But we have to be careful not to turn it into some kind of magic trick, some, some sort of abracadabra. It's, it's not an incantation, but it is an invocation. This divine authority, there's divine authority in this ancient blessing. Let me connect the dots this morning. I want to fast forward all the way to Peter's first epistle. He's writing to the Christians who've been scattered throughout the ancient world primarily because of persecution. And he reminds them of who they are in Christ. Chapter 2, verse 9 says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. You see, in the Old Testament, the people of Israel did not approach God directly. There were intermediaries called the priests, and it was their job to offer sacrifices from the people to God, and then to pronounce the blessing from God to the people. But Peter, in the New Testament, turns that upside down and right side out because we are a priesthood of all believers but I wonder I wonder if we really understand the implications and the ramifications of being a priesthood of all believers see I can stand up here and pronounce a priestly blessing at the end of a service guess what? It's your job. Each and every one of you, it's your job as a member of this royal priesthood to pronounce blessings on everyone God puts in your path each and every day. And I would add a little hyphen to whatever your career is. I'm not just a lawyer. You're just not a teacher or an Uber driver or whatever it is that you do. I am a lawyer priest. You are a teacher priest, an Uber driver priest, or whatever it is you do. 
You see, if you are in Christ, you are a part of this royal priesthood. Let me give you the rest of this verse. It says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Matthew chapter 10. Jesus sends out his disciples on their inaugural mission, and he gives them a counterintuitive command. This is what he says. He says, when you enter a home, give it your blessing. The sequence is significant. And honestly, I think we do the exact opposite of what Jesus says. Jesus says, if it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If not, take back the blessing. In computer science, a default setting refers to a setting that's automatically assigned to a software application. The default settings are the operating instructions or the operating system. The operating instructions that Jesus gives his disciples seem like the wrong default setting. Most of us, before we're willing to offer someone our blessing, we do a quick moral evaluation. We try to figure out if someone is worthy of the blessing before we give it. Maybe it's just me, but I think we all do that. But Jesus took a completely different track. He leads with the blessing. What does that mean? I think it means starting with checking your ego at the door. It means filling in the gaps with positive assumptions. It means catching people doing things right instead of looking for them doing things wrong. It's bragging about people behind their back when they'll never know that you said it. It's adding value wherever you go. It's loving everybody always. You see, there are Two types of people in this world. There are those who walk into a room and they internally announce, here I am. We know people like that. They think the world revolves around them. Their ego can barely fit through the door most of the time. But then there are those people who walk into a room focused on everyone else. There you are. They check their ego at the door, and it's all about everyone else and not about them. I hope and I pray that this church is that kind of church where we lead with the blessing. We don't make sure people are worthy of it before we give it. We lead with the blessing. Now, does this operating system always work out? Of course not. It's not 
fail-proof because it's not foolproof. And often we're the fools. Sometimes the blessing backfires. See, that's when Jesus says to shake the dust off of your feet. But that doesn't change the default setting. We lead with the blessing, just like Jesus did. Let me switch gears a little bit, and I want to put this into a biblical context. This idea of a double blessing traces all the way back to the prophet Zechariah. He's writing to the Jewish refugees who have returned from 70 years of captivity in Babylon. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, is very prophetic. It says, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That prophecy was fulfilled 500 years later when Jesus rode into Jerusalem just as Zechariah prophesied a few verses later in verse 12 we find the double blessing he says return to your stronghold O prisoners of hope you you recognize the irony in this he's writing to prisoners of war but he calls them prisoners of hope They endured 70 years of pain and suffering at the hands of the Babylonians. But God says, return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today, I declare that I will restore to you double. The NIV says, I will restore twice as much. King James Version says, I will render double unto thee. The New Living Translation says, I will repay you two blessings for each of your troubles. And the message paraphrase says, I'm declaring a double bonus. Now, we have to be careful here, because I don't think we can turn biblical principles into mathematical equations. I don't think a double blessing means a 200% return on every investment. Sometimes it does. Let me give you an example. Job is a prime example. Now, blessing doesn't discount the pain and the suffering. Job endured unbelievable setbacks and unimaginable heartbreak. I want to fast forward in Job's life to the last chapter of what many believe is the oldest book in the Bible. Job 42.10 says, When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Now, Job Praying for his friends is not an insignificant part of this verse. And I might add, with friends like Job's, 
Go back and read the rest of the story with friends like Job's who needed enemies. His friends do him wrong. They add insult to injury. But this is huge. Job prays for them. Forgiveness is one habit of highly blessed people. Forgiveness breaks the curse of bitterness. Forgiveness begins a new chapter of blessing. The Lord gave him twice as much as before. But who's counting? I'll tell you who. The God who catches our tears in his hands. God doesn't lose track of the things that we have suffered. Verse 12 says, The Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the first half. I believe this for everyone listening today. The question is, would you be bold enough to believe that God wants to bless the second half even more than the first half? Now, I want you to notice what Job does. He takes an inventory. It says, for now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 oak of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. Under the old covenant, if a thief were found guilty of stealing something, the price of recompense was paying back double. So Job literally takes an inventory. This is the first step of flipping the blessing. This is where we get down to the business of double blessing. In fact, I would suggest that, that we take an inventory each and every day. That we count our blessings. We need to do as the psalmist said in Psalm 103, 2, where he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefit. It's simple, but it can change our life. The secret to double blessing is this. The way you get it is by giving it. We are blessed to bless. God doesn't bless us to raise our standard of living. He blesses us to raise our standard of giving. And it starts with a really good audit, with taking a good inventory. But we've got to take good notes of how we've been blessed by others because this is how God wants us to flip the blessing back to others. This is how we return the favor. This is where it starts to get fun. Now let me break this idea down a little bit more. Step one in double blessing is just what we've been talking about. Take inventory. Let me share with you four more steps. Step two is you've got to find 
your signature. God's blessings are as unique as your fingerprint. The way you flip the blessing is going to be as unique as you are. I love what Oswald Chambers said. He said, let God be as original with others as he was with you. Barbara Glantz is a corporate trainer who does workshops for Fortune 500 companies, and she tells a story of how she was working with this one grocery chain, and she talked about adding a personal signature to one's work. Now, one of the grocery store baggers was a young man with Down syndrome, and he got an idea. Every night he would come up with a thought for the day and he'd print out a bunch of copies and he'd drop one in every person's bag as they checked out. A month later, the store manager called Barbara and said, I came out on the floor this morning and the line at Johnny's checkout was three times longer than any other line and I went ballistic yelling, open up some more lanes. The customer said, no. We want to be in Johnny's lane. We want his thought for the day. One woman said, I used to only come to the grocery store once a week, but I come every day now to get Johnny's thought of the day. The manager said, Johnny has transformed the store. Now, in the floral department, if they have a broken flower or an unused corsage, they go out onto the floor and find an elderly woman or a young girl, and they pin it on them. We're having so much fun, and so are our customers. I'll add one more Oswald Chambers quote. He said, it is inbred in us that we have to do exceptional things for God, but we have not. We have to be exceptional in ordinary things. You see, it's precisely the ordinary spaces of life where we can see and share extraordinary blessings with other people. So step two, find your signature. Step three, you have to learn other people's love languages. We tend to give gifts that we want. But we've got to figure out what will be the best blessing for someone else based upon their love language. Our love language may be gift-giving, but their love language may be quality time. So we have to figure out what their love language is, a plug for Gary Chapman, find out what their love language is and give a blessing based upon that. Flipping, flipping the blessing doesn't have to be something huge. It can be as simple as a smile. We've got to think in terms of time, talent, and treasure. Perhaps the toughest thing to be generous with is our time. See, when I take inventory, I realize it's the little acts of kindness that have impacted me in a big way. So this is step four. Let's call it little things are big things. 
Finally, step five is have fun. Blessing others can be loaded with fun. There are literally thousands of ways, both large and small, to flip blessings to other people. Why not love some people when they least expect it? And maybe least deserve it. Take inventory. Find your signature. Learn their love language. Little things are big things. And have fun. Let me start to bring this in for a landing here. What would it look like for us to flip the blessing as individuals, as families, and as a church? Step number one, take inventory. What do we have? What have we been blessed with as individuals, as families, and as a church? Where is our time, talent, and treasure? Once we've identified what we have, we can begin to dream about what we can give. Step two, find our unique signature. Every single person in this room, every single person watching online, whether you're live or sometime in the future, we have been blessed with unique gifts and talents. Every family in this room, every family watching online occupies a unique address, a unique local dynamic. And finally, our church is a unique local expression of God's worldwide church what are some ways that you and we can uniquely bless others step number three learn other people's love languages learn how others receive and feel most loved as a church how do you think the community around us feels loved what are some creative things that we can do to flip the blessing? Step four, little things are big things. Identify some simple things you can do, that your family can do, that we can do as a church. Blessing others doesn't always have to be an out-of-this-world gift. It can be as simple as making a meal, mowing the neighbor's lawn, paying for the car behind you the next time you're at the drive-thru. And step number five, have fun. This is not and should not be a burden. Paul reminds us in the book of Acts that Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I want to go back to where we began. Numbers chapter 6, 24 through 26. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now many of you know there's a song with these exact lyrics. And they're about to sing it right now. And as an aside, our worship team, those online, 
to have a get better audio and video experience. But if I can just humbly brag on this team, no matter how good it sounds online, it's a hundred times better in person. So come join us next Sabbath. Heavenly Father, thank you for this idea that you're here, that you want to bless us, and that you want us to bless others. As a worship team sings that blessing over us as a church, may it touch our heart, may it open up our eyes, and may it get us active in this community. In Jesus' name, amen.